Let's just do a, a bit of a recap from last week, where we're holding. What did we talk about last week? Mamali Kwaman. So. Yeah, so Mamali so Kwaman. That was yeah. simple explanation. Vessels and, light. vessels and the lights. Light impact. Oh. It's the vessels that doesn't dent the vessels. That's right. Well, it can, the light impacts the vessels. It could destroy the vessels if the light is too great for the vessels. It could be absorbed by a vessel or it could be uh, filled. It could fill the vessel That's and right. absorb it. That's right. Or it could destroy it. Or destroy it. In order for the vessel to absorb the light, the light cannot be overwhelming. Otherwise, the vessel will shatter. The vessel can So that's, that's the, um, the, the Mimala relationship. The Mimala relationship is the light restricts itself in order to... Um, uh, get absorbed by the vessel without exploding the vessel. Exactly. Right? So that's the first relation. The second relationship is that the vessel experienced a change by being exposed to the light. It's more indirect in a sense right. relationship. Right? That's, the and that's the peripheral. Exactly. It's more peripheral. That's right. Um, that's the Soviet relationship. It provides a revelation even higher than what a person than what a person can contain. In other words, it, it provides a level of revelation that even that the vessel is not big enough to completely receive, but it can, get, it can still get changed by being exposed to it. And then we spoke about Atzimut. It's the essence. What is the connection between Atzimut and Memare and Mitzvah? That's right. Without a commandment and prescription, people cannot connect to Atzimut or even Sovev. It needs a vessel to contain it. Idea this is, is a good deed. This, the idea is to connect to Atzimut and you need a actual way of connecting the connection between Mimale and, and, and Atzmut has to have something tangible, and that's what the mitzvah is. The mitzvah is because the, the mitzvah comes from Atzmut, but can only be fulfilled in Mimale. So, the, so since it comes from Atzmut, can be fulfilled in Mimale, then you need through Mimale to bring it back to Atzmut. It's like a circle. It comes down, and we bring it back up. Well, like an actual mitzvah, but not just a good deed. A mitzvah. It's like the actual, idea that like... An actual mitzvah, because it has to come from... Not all good deeds come from Atzmut. Right. So it's like Hashem creates the world of Yesh and we're taking the Yesh and bringing it back to Ayin. That's right. Not necessarily Ayin. We're not taking the Yesh and bringing it back to Ayin. We're taking the Yesh and connecting it back to the Ayin. I don't know if it's going to go back to the Ayin. I mean, as a result, maybe Ayin... I'm just know, thinking about something I was learning in... Um, Rihar? Yeah. That Sada? Yeah. No, so it's not retarded, it's uh, pre-tzadikah. Yeah. Also retarded. It's one of the early Hasidic masters saying the role of Tzadikah is that Hashem creates the world of Yishnah Ayin and then Tzadikah has to take the Yishnah and bring it back into the Ayin. That's what he said, the role of Tzadikah. Right. So according to most Kabbalistic sources, we can all, I mean, the Tzadikah is a different level, but we are all right. able, we are all able to, and that's the purpose of being in this world, is to connect it back to its source. But you know, there's always the risk, and I have to say this, and I used to be, honestly, I, I, I stayed uh, on that point for like 10 years. I couldn't move past that point. It's, it's, we have to be very careful to not to transform the ayin into a yesh, which is what I believe idolatry is. Transforming the ayin into a yesh. That's not, that's right. That's not our place. That's not our place. That's not that's, our place. That's what the, behind the prohibition against idolatry is. That's right. It's like, be careful. Ayin is Not only that, but <laughs> the whole idea, you know what we call the yesh? We call the yesh the ego. Mm, exactly. The only way to even start this process is by having humility. 
That's right. So the yet, the, the ayin for us is humility. For us, it's humility. For us, it's humility. In reality, it's way bigger. That's right. Than us, but we can only access it by restricting ourselves. That's right. In, in a sense, it's the same move. It's, it's kind of a tim tum move, right? Yeah. It's by creating a tim tum in the ego. By creating a tim tum in the ego, you can transcend the ego. And this sounds like all crazy, but it's really tangibly true. You know, in order for you to like have a relationship with someone, like you need to be able to calm down yourself. You know, right? Make space. You have to make space for the other person. You have to make space for society. You have to make space for your community. You have to make space. Otherwise, otherwise, you're a narcissist, right? Otherwise, you're really having a relationship with yourself. That's right. And you can have all these great ideas and all these great concepts, but really, all you're doing is you're putting a halo over your head. So it's it's you know. Egomania with a hit, with a halo. Let's go to the next level. Today we're going to talk about Ratzon and Tanuk. Willpower and delight. We're also going to cover four more ideas within Kabbalah. And that is Hamshachas Hanefesh, which means the drawing forth of the soul. The Hamshacha of the soul. The drawing forth of the soul. Kabbalah's all, which may be one of the most difficult concepts for us to understand in the 21st century, and that is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. It's, I would say, the most difficult concept. Kabbalat O. Kabbalat O. 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 Like the yoke. Adon, which means the master, and Eved, which is the servant. And that is a a, a common uh, metaphor that's used in Kabbalah, the idea of the master and the servant. We've spoken about the Rav, and the Talmud, the teacher, and the students. We're also today, in order to truly understand Ratzon and Tanug, we have to understand the idea of the master and the servant. So, let's get started. Ratzon means will. What is will, according to Kabbalah? Will is a real devotion... To a higher power. What is meant by the higher power, which we're going to call now will power, ratzon, not just will, which means I desire something. Now, to what extent am I going to desire that thing which I desire? Depends on what it is. So right now, what you just said is general will is subjective. It's subjective to how much I want that. What if there was an internal will, which we're going to call the power of the will? What if we were able to connect to the source of the will? The will of the will. The will of the will. Which means that the will is not necessarily subjective, but it becomes an objective will. Because it's higher than than the subjectivity of what I want. I want this item, I want this, I desire in the morning to have my coffee. So the difference between desire and will? A huge difference. Huge difference. A huge difference. So I think that people often speak of willpower, but they don't really understand how the will operates. The will is not an independent entity outside of the person who has the willpower. The willpower or the will is simply an extension of the inner self.
which means if you're someone who has a true desire, and I mean in, in, the, in the essence of what desire truly is, if you truly have a desire, then the will is not going to be subjective. It doesn't, the coffee is insignificant to the will. Even though you woke up in the morning and you desired your coffee. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and empty takeout containers? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex, to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. So it's in the, the will isn't involved with the ego. You're saying the inner will. Of course it can't be involved with the ego. The, the ego is outer. It's nothing to do with the inner. The ego, the ego is an outer expression. It's not an inner will. But the will is a real devotion to a higher power. So the word that we use in Kabbalah is hamshachat hanefesh. The extension or the drawing forth of the nefesh, of the soul. In Yiddish, there's a word called tzi. Tzi consists of two letters in Hebrew, the tzaddik and the yud, which means drawing forth or extending the self. The expression is ich tzizich there, which translates as I'm attracted to you. But tzi is not necessarily an attraction the way we talk about a romantic relationship, even though in Yiddish it is referred to as a romantic, as it's almost like a love uh, greeting of some sort. But the idea of C is that my essence is connected with yours, that the attraction comes because I am literally extending my essence to you. I extend myself to you. Okay, can we just uh, pause on the distinction between desire and will, okay? Because, because this is it's very important. Again, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and I've said this before, is that the English language is a I know. poor way of describing I know. I know. some of these very deep so ideas. What, what so, would be, what would be the, the, the Hebrew word that we would use for desire? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the difference. The entire purpose of what we're going to talk about today is the difference between desire and will. Ratzon and tanuk. And tanuk. Yeah. Delight or desire. Because a desire, you can see a desire as a, as a more limited phenomenon in time, where there's a desire for a clear thing that you see, that you perceive, I want this, I want this coffee, I want this, this whatever, right? I want a pair of glasses, whatever it is, right? But a will, when you say it's a real devotion to a higher power, and when you say that it's an extension of the inner self towards something else, right? That's, that's a more profound phenomenon. That's not like, I want this. That is... My my entire being is oriented towards, is extending towards. 
Let's and it play. can't be this cup of coffee. It's exactly. got to be something bigger than it's that. Like you're becoming the, the object rather than the subject. Like in the lower will, I'm the subject, I want this. But in the other will, it's like I become the object to a higher subject. Exactly. Exactly. And, Very well said. And the, the, when you're saying about the attraction thing, is it Rotsa the Shove? We're, gonna, we're not going to get there. This, that's the next level. That's the next level. So I want to just, the, exactly your question is the basis of today's talk. Mm-hmm. We're going to understand that. Okay. Exactly, by the end of it. If you still don't understand like it by the time reversal. we're done. I like that reversal of subject and object. That's nice. It's a very so, good example. So in other words, like subject wants object, and now it's like I'm the object that's being drawn towards a larger subject. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's good. That's, 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 that's a nice way. And you're going to find that... Although, in, uh, although, it's going to be very hard for me to shake the idea that I'm a subject. So, sure. uh, so it'll be a little bit more relatable to me if you tell me that I'm a subject drawn towards a bigger subject. I'm a little bit more inclined to follow I, you there. I, I, but, but I like... <laughs> Just to kind of separate and say the subject is greater. Say, no, no you're, what if you're the object? I'll take a step further. I'm this not is, like that for this very is, long. Uh, this is a little bit out of our scope right now, but I'm going to say this only because I know how difficult this idea is going to be for you to handle today. So there's a lot of people who are looking for a meaningful life. Meaningful life is subject to object. Me, the subject, I'm looking for the objective to my life. There's no meaning without me. There's no meaning without me. (laughs) Exactly. If I were to, let's say, I'm looking for my purpose, that's object to subject. Because purpose must exist before me. So just taking Marcus's idea a little further. It's a little beyond our scope, but that just gives you the idea of where where we're going with this. Well, that, that, that's an inversion of the, if you look at the existentialist creed, it's the opposite. It's if, if something existed before me, it can't be my purpose. That's right. Because my purpose is something that I have to create for myself. That's right. That's as, if, as if the entire universe was created in 1976. As if the entire universe was created in 1976. Yeah, the entire like, purpose was created then. But yeah. I think some people really believe that. Is that before people just didn't didn't have their true purpose because they weren't the ones creating it? Shame. I think a lot of people. It's a good it. thing those people were created. <laughs> exactly. Or perhaps exactly. they created themselves. That's right. That's right. It elevates their importance. Right. It's 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 perhaps the those people of individualism to a to a to a cosmic level. Perhaps if they believe that, they must believe that they created themselves. They must have created themselves. Well, that's exactly like when you look at the roots of that, it's Descartes. I think, therefore, I am. Yeah. The basis of my existence is my thought. Well, good for you. I guess your parents have nothing to do with it. <laughs> good work, <laughs> organism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You pat yourself on the back on that one. <laughs> okay. So, Kabbalah explains that when we're talking about the Ratzon, or we're talking about the will, we're talking about the soul. The will and the soul are directly one. The nefesh, which means the following. The nefesh is extending itself towards something else, towards what it wants. So will is clearly not an entity in itself, but an expression of the nefesh, an expression of the soul. So let's take, for example, students who are, let's say, sitting in a class and they're learning 
is it possible that two out of the class will understand the information identically? Yeah, it's, it's, possible. it's possible. It's definitely possible. The information is external. The information is coming from an outside source. And it could be conceivably received by two people in the exact same way. Each one clearly remembering the same parts. When two people take, let's say, notes on a science lecture, where the information is very factual, they often write down two identical things. If they compare their notes, they're going to say, you know, unless they tr one truly did not understand what the professor was saying, a science lecture should not end up creating two completely opposite or different note-taking as a result of whatever the professor was relating. But if two people want to have the will to do something, is it possible for them both to have the same will? It's never going to be identical. Why not? The will is the will. Yeah, but the way that it's going to be expressed and understood by the individual is always going to be different. But the will is the will. Yeah, if two people are same. But it's just will. It's never going to be understood exactly. I was like, I want this coffee, and you want that coffee. We have the same will. But will is not the coffee. Ah. <laughs> it can't be. It's the subject. Ah. So this is, I believe, a unique, a unique perspective of Kabbalah. Kabbalah says it's at the will. Two people cannot have the same will. Now, it is possible to have an external will of sorts where two people say, I both like coffee. But this is not a, the will that we're talking about. This is not the will in well, the strong sense. In reality... Each one of these people are going to go about expressing their will in a very different way because will is an extension of the soul and each soul is different. But the will of the will are, are, is identical. Well, hold on a second. It must be. Hold on. Wait. Maybe, maybe not. At this point, maybe not. Because the will is an extension of the soul and we're all different, unique souls and each one of us is unlike anyone else and the souls that came into the world before us and the souls that are going to come into the world after us and the souls that are living during our lifetime are each unique so then the will in essence touches the depth of the individual and so Kabbalah is going to spend a lot of time explaining that it's really the willpower that is crucial in any decision. The will is the soul extending itself. It's the soul's hands and feet. So, going back to the concept of the soul, okay? We have Nefesh Ba'amit, we have Nefesh Shachit, and we have Nefesh Shirakit. I'm assuming- We haven't gotten there yet in this, but yes. I, I am, but, but I'm assuming that we're touching on Nefesh Shirakit. And is the reason why the nefesh is that thing that um, ex extends itself, right? Is that because it's the nefesh Rakit is the part of us that is connected to the cosmic soul, to the to the right? Right. So by definition, it wants to relate to that that cosmic soul, right? That's right. So is that that why we, we th that's the movement of willpower? 
is the sort of, sort of it's, it's, it's the and movement you, from the... In an elementary sense. I mean, if you had to explain it to a five-year-old, and that's maybe perhaps right. how you would maybe explain Maybe I'm a five-year-old right oh, now, okay. when it comes to these concepts. No, it's fine, it's fine. I'm just telling you. I don't think I'm way older than five. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, the reason why I'm saying, because there, there's, much, there's many more levels to it, but yes, in a very basic, primal sense, yeah. So that's good. We need, to, we need to build on the basic. Yeah. Okay. I, I like to, to, to sort of stay on the basic for a long time. It's good. Okay. It's nice, solid ground. Okay. Because we can fly. We're not gonna. We're not gonna stay there very long, though. No, but you know, your feet have to be planted on the ground when your mind uh, extends to the sky. That's right. Otherwise, mind can get lost very quickly. So, <laughs> willpower. Okay. Willpower being the hands and feet of the soul. That's why when someone's depressed, it's almost like the flame of the soul is being extinguished to a certain extent. Depression is the exact opposite of what the soul's purpose in this world is. Don't Anger is the exact opposite of what the soul's purpose in this world is. Because once again, the soul's expression is not able to be its hands and feet. Will is a very powerful, powerful idea. So let's understand this idea. Kabbalah uses the example of willpower as Adon and Eved, the master and the servant. What is the relationship between the master and the servant? Well, the, the premise of the relationship is that the One servant the is totally, totally dedicated to its, to its master, right? Whatever the master says, the slave is gonna do. There's no processing, there's no debating, there's no challenging, it's a slave. We don't even understand what that means. A slave is a slave is a slave. The master owns the slave. Whatever the master says, the slave cannot challenge. He is a, he is a, a, an, uh, an item that is owned by the master. But that's, that, that's, that's in a very, an object. That's, in a very that, that's the power relationship between that, right? That, that's in a way just a tactical thing. But in a broader perspective, it's really the needs of the servant are subservient to the needs of the master. No, no, the man, that, That's sort of essence of the relationship. Right, going back to this is my desire. No, uh, no, on the contrary. We, the, the Torah has very specific laws about how the master has to treat the servant because the Torah knows that the servant is completely subservient to the master. Right? The Torah has very specific laws about how he is to take care of a servant and feed the servant and what he should do and, and, and unbelievable. So, 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 the, so the, the master's power is not unlimited? The master's power is sanctioned by a higher power. Okay. But it's not the, but the power... We're not talking about that in specific because in our analogy, we're talking simply about the master and the servant. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to, through the master and the servant, we're going to understand, I believe, the hardest Kabbalistic idea for our generation to understand. The idea of Kabbalat Ol. And that is the acceptance of the yoke of the master. Yes, sir, no questions asked. We can't do that. No. We live in a generation that cannot do that. Well, we kind of do that. Because we have no masters. We kind of do that in prayer. If you look at the, uh, the structure of the Shema, ton of, well, that's 
say Well, we, we do that in a lot of ways. We just, I mean, the, the entire structure of a lot of Judaism is meant for Kabbalah Dol because it essentially is the most important element of our relationship with God. It's just, in our generation, it's very, very hard because but, but no one's going to tell me what to do. But there's legitimate reasons for that, Rabbi. I agree. Very legitimate. Of course. You know why? Because human beings can... You see, if people, if it were truly the yoke of the master, if it was like the creator of the universe, people would have less of an issue with it. But this is what human beings have done. Human beings have taken that category, which is the master of the universe, and they have reinterpreted it so that they have the power. And then it becomes a human master. And that's subserv- That's like putting you in, in subservience for their human needs, or their human desires for power. Normally what they do is, oh, that's, what, that's, what, that's what there's a rejection of the whole thing. But the idea is that they say, I'm the incarnation of that yeah, higher right. power. Or, and or that higher power power just talks to me. It right. doesn't talk it's to just you. Power. It talks to me. <laughs> Trust me. It talks to me and not you. And, and that's, that's where the rejection came from. And it's and, funny and how it the... It is proper to the, to, to, it's to the Christian funny how people, how, right? but people, It is proper to the Christian People experience. almost crave it. You know, all these people are running the psychics. It's almost the Christian, Christian experience. Because in like the other experiences, the Bible sure. says, Oh, I'm above the people and you serve me. But in the Christian experience, it's God coming down as one person and he's serving us through through sacrificing his life for no, but you're, 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 you're See, it is a bit of an inversion. You're, you're, you're skipping something pretty important in the Christian experience, which is the church. <laughs> Yeah, but, <laughs> You're only skipping that thing. But, I, but, but, but Fred, which what's is amazing... the exclusive channel through which uh, God is expressed in this world. And, uh, you have to do everything. It's people who even, who even are trying to say, you know, they're trying to get rid of it. They still crave it, right? They're running to psychics and they're running yes. to, to Ouija boards and all yeah, of these other ways. No, but they're I craving, they're craving that, that, that godly type <laughs> experience. They crave a connection with a higher power without the intermediation of a church or an organized form of religion. That's what they're craving. And, and, and when you say the yoke of the master, it, the, the problem is that human beings have created a um, castle on the back of God's name, okay? And, and we have to follow that. And, 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 and they've also, again, this is very, very proper to the Christian experience is that you know, how did Christianity spread? It spread with its unification with the Roman Empire. So not only was it a one confession for all, right? But it was, we also have the political and military power to enforce it, right? Right. And I mean, way later, Islam came and kind of kind of replicated a bit the model. Yeah. It's like political power and um, religious power together, right? Spreading. I, I mean, we all know Judaism was never... Never, never, had had, never had that model. Never had that chance, but never had that model either. I never had a model of spread or a confessional sort of um, um, uh, ambition. Never had that. But we did have the Kohanim, right? We did, there was a stratification in society where we, yeah, were, of course. we were indebted to the Kohanim, just yeah. as like the churchgoers are indebted to the church. Yeah, there, there, were, there were priests, but the function of the priest in Judaism is completely different to the function of the priest in Christianity. Our, our responsi- to enable our relationship to God. Our responsibility was to understand that not, we don't all have a time. And today we still have that relationship, which means today, too much of the Kohanim relationship, we will, let's say, support Torah study because we don't all have time for Torah study. And by supporting it, we get the schar, we get the reward for the study. Right? People would, would, will, will dedicate a class or will dedicate a, uh, you know, a, a day in the yeshiva or something like that because they get the schar, they get the reward for it. So there is that, it's a different kind of relationship. It's not that. But, but you see today, you're right in that people, people seek a, to subserve, people realize that to keep themselves 
as the sole thing of significance in the whole cosmos is a too heavy burden. I think people kind of get that at this point, right? It's like, okay, you know, we've rejected all religions, we've rejected all everything. I have to create my own meaning. Perfect. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. That creates a tremendous burden and isolation on the individual. So, and again, people don't think it through that way, but I think that's what's going on. So, but so people are looking for, they want to connect to a greater power. They want to relieve themselves of that burden, okay? There's no By question. serving a higher power, they want that. But at the same time, you look back, they, they have that, that rejection of organized religions or rejection of the state, right? As institutions of power where human beings have taken these uh, transcendent ideals, okay? In terms of the state, it's gonna be nationalist ideals, so socialism, capitalism, democracy, those would be ideals that human beings take and hijack and create a power structure over other human beings for. And then it's like, time out, you're not even about that. You're not about democracy, you're not about justice, you're not about this, right? And it's, and it's the same thing with, with organized religions, that people are gonna say, well, time out, you're not about God, you're not about meaning, you're not about purpose, you're not about that. You're about telling me, like, like locking us into a power structure for your own needs. People, people come to me all the time and they'll say to me, you know, how can I believe in this Judaism and all this garbage when I saw some Hasidic guy, yeah. such and yeah. such and such. He was a bad Jew then. That's the answer to him. <laughs> the answer is why are you looking at the people and not the book? That's yeah. why we have the book. That's right. The book doesn't approve of what this guy did. <laughs> you know, don't, don't say, oh, this just because yeah. this person looks this way. Mm-hmm. I, I had an amazing... But what if this person now is the leader, is a rabbinical leader? That's where when the leaders violate the ideals, it's such a sacrifice. They're, they're doing so much harm to the, to the tradition, you know? What, what if he's a leader? What if he's, he's your rabbi and you see him do that? that? Then it's really... Then, then you, have, you want to reject the whole thing. When I was uh, 16 years old, I became reacquainted with an aunt of mine who was estranged from the family for many years. And so we became close. So I went to visit her. She lived in the only Gentile part of New York, like in the far ends of Staten Island. I don't think there, there was any Jews there. Like she was it, she was the only Jew. Wow. She, she married a Gentile um, and raised her kids Catholic. Wow. And uh, I went there, I was 16 years old. And so we had a really great time. I had cousins my age. And uh, so we're sitting on the couch one day and there's a knock on the door. And there's a guy standing at the door with a hat and a beard and a long coat. Starts speaking to me in Yiddish. He kind of gives me this funny look and I give him this funny look. And I said, I said, to, I said to him in Yiddish, what are you doing here? So he said, I'm collecting for yeshiva. I said, so this is like the most Gentile part of New York. He said, look, business is business. <laughs> People give me money, I'm collecting. Anyway, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, the, the fact that this guy knocking on his Anyway, I invite him in. We're sitting there having tea, having coffee, you know, talking. He's telling me about the yeshiva. All the time in the world, he's telling me, this guy is making me, he's telling me the funniest jokes in Yiddish I've ever heard. In the middle of our conversation, he like gives a little swerve one way and one of his payas falls off. No. No. And then he realized that he had the pace in his hand, so he pulled the other one off. And then he pulled the beard off. And he pulled the whole makeup off. Oh my God. Anyway, what's the story with this guy? He's my aunt's neighbor. He's an Italian police officer. Gentile, completely Gentile. And he goes undercover in the Hasidic community. Oh my God. And my aunt had t- told him that on his way home from work, he should play a practical joke on me. Because he, you know, they thought it was funny to see. You know, she said, "I want to see how good you are." Because if my 
my nephew, the rabbi, believes you. Wow. I'm telling you, the guy was I was sitting there for 20 minutes talking Yiddish? to this guy in fluent Yiddish. So he learned Yiddish. He learned Yiddish, not just Yiddish. No, no, no. That's what he does all day. He, he goes He's undercover. undercover. He's undercover in the Hasidic community. That's what he does. Undercover for what? For the police, for the New York Police Department. He does like he. Wait, I mean, the Hasidim operates some crime rings. That whatever, the should be, something going whatever's going yeah, on. Exactly. Exactly. Going no, but exactly. even so, there's, there's been different situations of people, different yeah. things. Anyway, huh. he 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 works as a police officer. Wow, I'm telling you, I, this guy knew everything. No, 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 no. no. The he's way he was the jokes. He's into everything. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, no, the jokes are the core way, of everything. The way, <laughs> the way he was talking yeah. about the students in yeshiva, I cannot believe. He's a, a, a Gentile Italian police officer. Wow. And that was the day that I realized wow. you can look like it. Uh, you can talk like it. You can walk like, you can walk walk like it. it. You can act like it. But, but you ain't it. You ain't yeah. it. I feel like when Moshe saw the It was an amazing... Amazing lesson that's, for me. That's 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 a very very good. You can you can see you see that it's it's human beings. That's the problem. Is that we're too good, like we're too good at faking stuff. That's the problem. We're too good. So that's why you can't. You basically I can't trust tell a you. Because well, everything we see about another human being is just external. Like we can never, like we can never see the subject. We can only see them as an object. Like, no, but we can only see them as an object. It's like politicians. You listen to like uh, Obama, right? Who, who like embodies all the best ideals of hope and this and justice and equality and diversity and democracy and everything. And you listen to him talk, and just in the sentences, just in the space between the sentences, it's like no, 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 time out. Like he's not. This is not a genuine expression. It's not. Like there's there's so much. Games being played. The right? proof is just take the teleprompters away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, but it, you, see, you see what I mean? It, it's so easy to put on that face and everybody believes it. Like, no, but Obama was especially talented. Yeah, he was especially talented at that, which they are the most dangerous. To me, somebody like I, Trump not, is less dangerous because everybody's fighting I'm not making a similarity. <laughs> I'm not making a similarity between these two people, but Hitler mm, was the best warrior, yeah. par excellence. Yeah, they right. say that he used to spend seven hours a day looking at himself, speaking in the mirror. Wow. That's how we did it. Huh. <laughs> yeah, he was. You, you you don't get to that position without and, and you know there's another interpretation also of Hitler by uh, Jordan Peterson he says that 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 Hitler it's, it's not just that this crazy man manipulated millions of people it's not that it's that there was a there was a conversation between him and the people and as he was just the embodiment of certain things that the population was feeling. And so when he's saying something and he feels the crowd is reacting, it's like, okay, give them more of that. And then when he's trying another thing and like nobody's reacting, it's like, all right, let's get rid of that. And like by doing that over and over and over again, you become one with the people in a sense and you embody the message that the people want to hear. And so it was a, a, more like a mass hysteria than it was like one psychopathic brilliant man manipulating millions of people you know but it's so scary it, how that can happen it's 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 super scary and i think it could always happen but by, by virtue of human nature it always happen and i think we have mass hysterias all the time look at it look at just look at just look at the beatles that was a form of look at look at the most recent uh most recent one was the uh the death of uh, princess diana yeah in the united was kingdom it was insane yeah. Just people went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, but look at the difference between the last election in the United States, yeah. where it became very clear that there was a fight between the educated and the uneducated. Mm -hmm. 
And what's fascinating to me about that discovery of based on, you know, educational model of voters in the United States is that the education system obviously trains everyone in a certain direction. If a mass, mm-hmm. the vast majority of university educated people were That's voting true. for Hillary. That's the ultimate proof. Then that was the ultimate proof that there must be a difference between people who are educated and uneducated because that means the education system is training someone in a certain way. Whereas that is not the way within Kabbalah would not approve of that. And it's interesting how people are like, well, I'm unique and I'm different and I'm special, but... Ne- you all think the same but, way. But you're, you're all... But, you know, I, when I was, they say you people, I'm like, you people, there's just more of you. Yeah. And you know the indignant uh, attitude? It's, this is not about politics. I, I also think Trump obviously has some clownish, dangerous elements, obviously. But it's not about that. It's about, I find there's something super disingenuous in the, you know, the indignant reaction to Trump, like, how could this possibly be? Oh my God, this guy's completely <laughs> nuts. Nothing he says makes any sense. That indignant really, People were walking. That's crazy, I find. Because it's like half of your damn population clearly sees something in him. So More than whatever half. message they have, whatever whatever thing they see, you think has zero but Fred, you know reason how str- to be. Do you know how strong that's this scary. is? People were walking out of the polls just having voted for Trump and saying they voted for Hillary. <laughs> People were literally walking out of the polls. That's how strong that 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 disdain for him is, because they had exit polls. They had millions of dollars spending on exit polls. People were looking at these exit pollers, saying, "Who did you vote for? I voted for Hillary." When they just voted for Trump. What was his core message? Core message, not that different from Bernie Sanders' core message, which is the elite. Uh, Washington elite is not representing the interests of the average per- person. Uh, you're leaving the working class out. Uh, you're selling off our interests to foreign countries. Uh, that, that's the message. And, and, and they still see like they just don't get it. They just don't see it. Well, really? You didn't see like how the manufacturing base was exported to other countries. You don't see how, you know, like the issues with the working class. You don't, you don't see that at all. Like that's completely. And when you listen to Hillary and, and Obama talk, it's like, no, it's like peaches and cream. Everything's great. Like what are you talking about? Like no unemployment. Like the urban areas of the United States, there has been no recovery. There's been no economic recovery. In places like Cleveland. Everything's for rent, for rent, for rent everywhere. It's like the unemployment rate of Memphis among African-Americans is something like 40%. Mm. But when you look at the uh, official federal government statistics of unemployment, they've got a way of manipulating statistics. No, well, you know what they do. Okay, is they don't, unemployment is 2%. They don't, like, what are you talking about? Because they don't include, they don't include um, people <laughs> who stop looking for exactly. work. Exactly, people who stop looking for work after a certain period of time systematically get, which by the way, there's a ton of those people, yeah. right? Because they just can't find work. Okay, let's not count them. No, we should count them double, actually. Because they've been looking for work for, for so Every long. year you're looking for work, you have to be counted double. Yeah, I, we should I think count so. them double, actually. They've been trying for so long. They're really super important. We should take care of them. No, let's, let's ignore it. That's the thing with statistics. And then they, they start talking silver-tongued statistics. And people, working-class people, listen to that. And it's like, no, sorry, man. Like, it's just not. And somebody comes and talks, like, raw and dirty to them, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, at least somebody's talking to us. So that's the phenomenon, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's go back to Ratzel and Tainu. Yeah. So it's all let's, connected somehow. Let's go back to this ideal relationship. The ideal relationship between the servant and the master is that the master is doing something to the servant. Is he coercing him? Is the master coercing the servant? Is the master forcing the servant? No. 
He's not giving him intellectual reasons as to why the servant should listen to him. All he does is command. In Kabbalah, we call it a tzivui, and the slave listens and does what he's commanded. Why? Because in this model, the slave is an extension of the master. The slave has a total commitment to the master. There's no give and take. There's no change on the part of the master. And there's no change on the part of the slave. Since the servant conceives his identity of being an extension of the master, it's as if he doesn't exist as a separate entity. So no one has to exert any effort. That's how the servant sees himself. And so when the master has it civilly, when the master commands, the slave is just being the extension of the master. De- deciding to do something with the right hand and then with the left hand doesn't ex- involve explaining to each hand, right hand do this, left hand do this. You don't have to give them each separate instruction. So the right hand, you're going to do the right side of what I'm doing. And the left hand, you have to do the inverse of the right hand. Okay, just, okay, no, 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 left hand. No, no, you don't do the right way, do the left way. You don't have to do that. You don't have to give them each separate instructions. But clearly we're talking God-man, right? Yes. Here? But the problem with now with this, using this as an analogy. Is that, that the person has free choice. Man. No, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's going to be, it's going to be also interpreted. It's the be best, ana- it's, the man-man it's, but, but it's the best analogy the we have, never be the, the best, and best, best analogy you have, because essentially the servant does have a certain level of free choice. The eyes, he is an individual, but the way he perceives him, he perceives himself is an extension of the master. That's why we use it as an analogy. But do you think this, this, this relationship should exist between humans? Hold on a second. No, of course that, not. That, that's what I'm saying. Of course so not. That, that's the problem with the analogy. No, no. We, we make analogy. it a it's, That's right. So let's, let's, we have to really stress. It's a symptom way Look, of like yeah. expressing an I, I warned you. Analogies are great. But I warned this you beforehand, case, this is going to be the most difficult. Of literalism everywhere. This is going to be the most difficult yeah. concept to be able to swallow because in our society, this is very hard stuff. So the idea of Kabbalah, that there is a God, that that God commanded you to do something. And the, the primary reason why you do those things is because God commanded. And you are an extension of your master. Every other reason is secondary to that reason. Could you do that with like, like your master and his, and his dog? No, because... Like the, dog, yeah. the dog actually doesn't... Perak Shira, the last uh, act yeah. mentioned Perak Shira, it's a dog, it's... Uh... What, what? Is it obedience? Obedience. Yeah. Yeah, he obe- he no, obeys me like with, with pleasure every time. He's just an extension of me. And I think that's a good analogy. But yeah, then there's free choice. Then there's obviously the problem. Well, the, right. the, the, the uh, problem is dog doesn't have free choice. Like all the It's it's a primal creature. It has instinct. But the whole idea of Kabbalah to all is so foreign to our society. What do you mean? So, 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 so why do you keep Shabbat? Because God said, who's God? <laughs> you do that for what? But the whole thing of, of Maimonides writing like the guy for the perplexed is, 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 is after he wrote the Mishneh Torah is to, is to make people like, okay, you guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you even those, every mitzvah is a chukim. Like these, he still went and explained all of them because he felt the need to. Why? Why? Because Maaseh Venishma. What does Maaseh Venishma mean? It doesn't mean that first we will do and then we'll No. It means that not only will you do, 
you will also understand. After. After, but and. Which I, means. Depends where you put the emphasis on that. On the second, hold on a second. But the it means, means the different. basis for everything you do is not said. Is you do it because you're doing the will of the master. And then afterwards, because you're also Because you're being, doing, you're listening. You think you understand? You think you can understand why we can But I think there's this? multiple layers to that, to the Nasev and Ishmael, because, you know, in every single religious tradition before Judaism, the emphasis was put on action. You will do, and I don't care if you understand or not. You just have to do. Judaism is the tradition that came and said, no, not only will you do, everybody does at the time, right? Follows their God. No, you will do, and you will understand too. But you it's can't understand. To understand. You can't understand. This. You can strive to understand as much as you can. I know, but you can't. But you must. How do we start this whole entire... What are you saying? <laughs> What's interesting is that the Gemara talks about Nasev and Shema, it says, the angel said to a Baruch who revealed our secrets to the people of Israel? But we know that angels don't have free choice. So That's it right. comes back to this situation where you're mm-hmm. saying the slave, really, the servant really has free choice, but he really doesn't have free choice. He's acting out of Nasev and Shema. There is no mm-hmm. free choice in that. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. The story of Moses will respond with the story of Moses on, on, on the top. It's like, do you guys have uh, many gods? No. Do you guys have these issues? No. We have these issues. We don't just do. We can't just do. We have a fallible nature. But we're trying to become trying. those people that we're tr- just do. That's right. We're trying, we're trying. to become it. We're think, finding our own nature. What do, you, what do you think is greater for the, for the father? To know that his child is able to build up his strengths to the highest level, or when the father can see the child struggling and succeeding. Struggling what? Succeeding. That's how, isn't those two the same? They could be, they could to, be. To build up to the highest level, you need to struggle. Yeah, I think so too. Because inherent in moving forward is the saying, I'm it's not It's very hard as a parent to see your child struggling. It's very hard to see your child struggling. But, but you know as a result, because you way. know from yourself, it's the only way. It's the only way, yeah. So obviously Hashem loves it more to see us a free choice, struggling with it, going back and forth. And Hashem has a, a tremendous desire for that. Because the angels, I mean, what's special about yeah. that? Uh, we, we get that. Yeah, the what's special about that? I, I created you this way, yeah. and you're so therefore way. you're going to be. Yeah. You know, even when, when you have a two-year-old and you hear a two-year-old say something cute. Why? Because you don't expect it. But, <laughs> you see, is this why in the Kabbalah the concept of evil is... Um, it's uh, the rebelliousness. Mm, we're going to go into this. Go ahead. Right? What, is it go called? It, what is it called? The rebelliousness? It's called the Klippa uh, something? I don't know. We're going to go with the Klippa. We're going to go with the Klippa. No, no, no. It's, don't, don't, don't. We're going to go. This is our nature to This rebel. is the next step. It's our nature to rebel. Right after this is the next step. Okay? Let's first understand. We have to understand Ratzon and Tainuk. We have to understand Kabbalah all. Kabbalah all means that you accept upon yourself the master. That's it. There's no reason, there's no explanation. Why? Because. Because you are subservient to a higher power. The higher power commands and you do. Every other conversation happens after Kabbalah Tal. If you don't start with a, a, a premise of faith, if you don't start off with the premise of Kabbalah Tal, then what you are is the cynic trying to prove everything wrong. We, Kabbalah is not interested in the cynic trying to prove everything wrong. Kabbalah is interested in the acceptor trying to understand why they do what they do. I see why this is a difficult concept. Because yeah. It's very difficult because we can start with a general disposition of acceptance of our subservience to a higher power. We can, we can start with that. But the problem after that becomes, what does that entail? 
precisely. It's, what does that entail precisely? The it's, first step. It's only difficult as long as... It's zero to one. Okay. It's only difficult, okay. though, as long as I see myself as separate from that higher power. But if I realize I'm identical with that higher power, then there's no issue. Not only are you identical, you are an extension of it. Identical. Well, so the problem is there's so many human beings misrepresenting themselves Fred. as the emissaries of that higher power. Okay, but that's the problem. Again, we're not talking about the Italian police officer who's. Uh, we're not <laughs> talking about those people. <laughs> we're talking about each and every individual at the end of the day. Hold on a second. I just said zero to one, and Fred was like, "Okay, I can handle that." I can but handle hold zero on to a second. One. But zero <laughs> is the absence of everything. Yeah, that's right. One is. Zero is ayin, and one is yesh. So what you're saying, which means, it sounds like nothing. What is it? Zero to one. I can handle zero to one. But the <laughs> zero to one is exactly the hardest thing to do. Because literally you're taking ayin and turning it into yesh. One to zero is also really hard to do. One to zero doesn't exist in Kabbalah. It's taking my yesh, it's going to turn it's, it's, it's open Hold on a second. is not one to zero. It's not one to zero? No. It's understanding that really your one is a zero. It's not one to zero. <laughs> so seeing through the when one. When you used to think it was a one, it was really so a zero. seeing through the one. Yes. So the one doesn't cease to the exist. One, it the becomes one. transparent. That's right. The one never existed to begin with. You just thought it was a, it was a so false. A it was a false existence. It's a matter of perception. Exactly. So that's why it's so easy for me to follow the will of the master. Yes. Because... In essence, that's what you were to begin with. You just had a blockage. You had a wall in between you it's and the master. That's what depression is all about. You're creating all these mental constructions that are separating you from doing what you need to do. And you stop seeing through those mental constructions and then just acting. Voila. But acting precisely in what way? And the yoke, the ul, how do we define the ul? We're not there yet. We're not there yet. That's the core of this discussion. I, I, know, I know we're not there, but I know where this is going. It's the mitzvot of the <laughs> You know what I mean? It's a misword of Hashem. Like CBT would say, to act in accordance with your values. Die. In Judaism's case, it would be act according to the commandments of Hashem. That's right. That's yeah, pretty it's, much it. But, but, but that, that's where the whole discussion really begins. Right? That's where it all really starts. Basically. <laughs> yeah. That's basically. It, this, this, this is, does not resolve the. The, the I'll tell word. you what, I'll this, ta- this is the beginning of the I'll word. tell you why Kabbalah all is so hard for us. If we don't have a mother who says to us when we're one years old, there's a God in the world. And then when we're 13 months, there's a God in the world, and 14 months, and when we're two years and three years and four years, and instills that idea of belief in a higher power within us. And we are then at this point, having to figure it out for ourselves, we don't have that innate acceptance within us. We become cynics by nature. And because of that, it's very, very hard for you to tell me that there's a higher power above me because I'm a, I'm a survivor. Mm-hmm. And everything I've done in my life had done because of my own accord. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and to a certain extent, that's one of the issues that the religious people have with the state of Israel. Mm. And that is that a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people, the, the founders of the state of Israel, they said God wasn't there for us. Mm. That was how they did it. Instead of saying, you know, God was, you know, there in every survivor's story, God wasn't there. So now we have to be God. We've taken it to our own hands and we're going to make our own state. So that was the premise of the whole state of Israel. 
So a lot of people say, but what, what do you mean? Like, it's not where was God in the Holocaust, it's where wasn't God in the Holocaust. Talk to every survivor, they'll tell you incredible stories. I mean, you have interesting situations where people that were believers went to the camps and left unbelievers, and you had people that were unbelievers going to camps and left unbelievers, and, and you know what? going to camps and left believers. My, my grandfather told me when I was a kid, he said, if you, if you see a, a, a man or a woman pulling up their sleeve and you see tattoos, you don't ever ask them questions. Because whatever they're doing in their life, the, what, the, what they saw, and he was a survivor himself, what they saw is beyond, beyond, beyond what you can ever imagine your eyes seeing. Yeah. No, it was definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's not something that, it, it's inconceivable. But I mean, people who lived in Auschwitz for, for months and months and like years. for years, yeah. you imagine every single day smelling the, the, the crematoriums? I mean, how, how that, the messes, literally not knowing if tomorrow you're going to live again. It's looking at the guy, the guys were next to you in the barrack and tomorrow gone, like incinerated. I, I, have, I have a thought crazy. That, I, that I don't like. I don't like this thought. And it's, it's very uh, controversial. And it's, it's very, very, uh, it's, I'm not adopting it as my thought. It's just a thought okay. that came like this. Okay? <laughs> just don't worry, crazy I'm thoughts not, go through everyone's No, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not adopting it as my opinion at all. At all. So let me just say, but you know, in, in this whole thing of how to find meaning, like the Holocaust itself is one of the most powerful arguments to the rational mind against the existence of God, right? The problem of evil in the world and the problem of evil. And then you go up the chain of evil and the inconceivable evil. And how would a benevolent God ever allow anything like the Holocaust with these children, the horrors that we know about, how would a, a, a benevolent God ever um, allow anything like that to happen, right? And, and so then, then you get into, into the concepts of, you know, how things actually materialize in this world, okay? And the way things that materi materialize in this world are a little bit different, right? Because everything is, we have a part of an animal nature and we have these human structures that we've created and then there's dynamics. And the thought is, 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 the, is the following, and it's, it's not, but uh, because you're taking a top-down approach. It's like, how would a benevolent God ever allow anything like this to happen, right? And it's easy to go like top down and, and to sort of like, you know, make that, that, that pronouncement. Like you're putting yourself above like a, a God. You're putting yourself above like an elemental cause of the universe. You're like above, you're looking at the system as a whole. And you're like, and you're like well, a benevolent God would have clearly acted this way, right? Because it makes sense to me, right? So it's kind of crazy. But I'm like, okay, and that top down approach if you look at it with a certain logic to it, like cause and effect logic, if, and this is the thought, it's not my, don't, 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 don't like throw arrows at me because it's not my thought, it's a thought, okay? But if the mechanics, let me, let me ask you a question. State of Israel, okay? The existence and birth of the state of Israel, okay? It's an idea, yes, the Herzl, and before that, and there were, earlier than that, there were settlements of Jews purchasing land in Israel and so forth, right? But you know how hard it is to create a state in the, the modern, like it's 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 nearly impossible. Okay, you ever play Risk to create a state? <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the hardest? What's the hardest country to keep? Which one? Israel? Was it Europe or Asia? The hardest country to keep no, is Israel. Israel. The, the, the Middle East. The Middle East. Yeah, everyone's always fighting over the Middle East. That's right. <laughs> so to create a state is is virtually impossible, and to create a state from a tiny little. Uh, 
speck of dust, which is the Jewish people, is, is a virtual impossibility, so right? Thanks to the Holocaust? No, but if there had not been, we, we all recognize rationally. A lot of people that, say that, by the way. It's, it's, the, it's not your that own the thought. Reason, that the reason uh, that the state of Israel, the existence of the state of Israel is so necessary is precisely because things like the Holocaust can happen to the Jewish people. And we are a dispossessed minority and we have been subject to persecution over the years. And so if that were the price if it were from a strictly rational point of view of dynamics, and we're not saying that it's justified, nothing will ever justify those evils. But I'm just saying from that purely uh, uh, um, real politic perspective, okay? Wouldn't that be a, 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 a legitimate purpose for the suffering, the crazy suffering? Kabbalah would not agree with you. Kabbalah would not agree with you. I'm, I'm, again, you're, you're, you're ascribing the thought to me. I'm just saying. You are creating an anthropomorphic picture. How so? Because you're ascribing a, a, a God, a, a godly, if you believe in a God and you're describing a God to a human purpose. Oh yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not so, even describing any of this to God. I, I think the one, of the, one of the most beautiful happened. books I've ever written, I've, I've, ever read, I've, I've ever read on the Holocaust was written by a survivor. Apparently it's a true story. It's called God on Trial. Have you ever seen it? Uh, have you ever read it? Mm-hmm. So basically, the, apparently it's a true story that a bunch of people in Auschwitz held a trial against God. Nice. They, made, they made a bezin of Rabbanim against Hashem for, yes. for, for putting him there. You have you ever read this? No, it's I the most amazing, amazing back and forth. The debate is so incredible. They go back and forth through Talmudic disposition. It's brilliantly done. And they're going back and forth and back and forth. And this goes on for an entire book. I mean, the whole debate. I'm not going to give you the whole debate. But my favorite part of the whole book is the end of it. So they, they, they come they, to the Besden. Say God's and, guilty and, and then they, they go down the Yeah. I think it's an Ali Wiesel book. Oh, really? What did you say? What's the end of it? They say that God is guilty, right? And then at the end, the, at the, end they, the Besden says God is guilty for the Holocaust. And then they say, let's go down the <laughs> and that is that <laughs> that is Kabbalah what else are you going to do you're going to start, start okay God is guilty now let's all cry together that but that no, is but a lot of people say God is guilty therefore the punishment to God exactly is I strike him but with that is that is Kabbalah yeah, but that's what I mean like, that's, our, like, that's our ultimate uh, thing. Know, day, we all go back to Job. I mean, Job is essentially God is Job. That's much more fun to that than me. That's it. That's what all you can see. The majority of Jews did. Right? But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, like, yeah, that's your notions of good or bad have in no way. Right. But Job. Job turns to God. You're right. Job turns to God and says, you created the righteous, you created the wicked. Why do you reward the righteous and punish the wicked? That's the way you created it. The point is, that's what Kabbalah all is. Kabbalah tells me, God is guilty. Let's go down to Mincha. That has nothing to do, it's nothing to, one has nothing to do with the other. God can still be guilty and we can still die mincha. That's the beauty of a Jewish soul. But, but, but many Jews didn't go back to Dabnei Mincha. I agree. And again, I'm not questioning them. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, if you want to truly understand what Kabbalah Tol is, you can understand what Kabbalah Tol is. That is Kabbalah. And, 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 and my grandfather used to always say, if you want to know the essence of the universe, if you walk into a show on a Monday morning and you see a man rolling up his sleeve to put on tefillin and on his sleeve you see tattooed numbers and he's still putting on tefillin, ask him anything you want because he mm-hmm. knows the essence of the universe. Mm-hmm. 
So, let's go, let's go on. Ratzon and Tainuk. The Jerusalem Talmud talks of Avat Yisrael, the love for one's fellow. It's natural because all of us are parts of the same body. Similarly, the will is an extension of the soul. It's not a separate intellectual faculty with its own independent mental operations. It is actually one with the soul. The will not, so you're going to say it's the hands and feet. It's, it's the hands and feet, but totally connected to the cerebellum. So it's actually, the will is the cerebellum's, uh, the, the whatever synapses that go to the brainstem that create the function of the hands and feet, that's what the willpower is. It's there. It's still within the soul. It's the origin of the synapses that create the hands and feet. It's movements. So let's go a step further. Now that we understand willpower, we have to understand what is tanuk, what is desire, what is delight. According to Kabbalah, tainug is even more powerful and more connected to the soul than the will. How is it possible? We just explained that the servant is an extension to the master. But the word extension means part of the whole, not the thing itself. So simply, the servant is not called the master. The servant is an extension of the master. The master has to say, I want you to do this. Why does he have to say it? Because if they were truly one, he shouldn't have to say it. The servant should be able to have mental telepathy and almost anticipate perhaps what, because we're one, we're in essence one. Even if we assume that when the servant sees himself in the mirror, he sees the master. Still, if the servant really were the master, he should be able to say the following. I know what you want me to do because I know myself. But that's not the case. The master has to command the servant. And if the master doesn't command, the servant doesn't know what to do. The master has to extend himself and his extension is not to an outside independent being. It's to a being that is totally dedicated and committed to him, but still an extension. So, so the willpower is still separate. No. What is now, we can understand, what is the difference between Tainug and Ratzon? Granted that the greatness of willpower still has a certain independence on a very refined level. On the other hand, when we speak of pleasure, it can be explained in such a way that another person, even a dedicated servant, can be excited by that pleasure. Can someone understand why someone likes chocolate or someone likes ice cream or someone likes coffee or someone likes a piece of Kabbalah? It could be hinted at in words. You can write poetry about it. But can you truly define it? Can you truly feel another person's time? It's not truly explainable in such a way 
that another person can participate in it because it transcends intellect. It transcends will and any form of expression. That's what Tainug is. It's totally, totally the same with the essence. So now we're in, we're in the creation, right? We're in yes. the, the individual person. That's right. Right? And we're defining all the different layers of the person, right? That's right. And, and I, 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 it's interesting. I, I want to see how this sort of uh, so, interfaces with the, the souls. So we're going to get there. Okay. You understand where we're going here. Yeah. We're really literally now going truly into Mamala. We're truly understanding, mm-hmm. like you said, the interface with the person. Mm-hmm. So Tainug, in comparison to Ratzon, expresses more of the soul's essence. A person can be made manifest through will. But in a deeper way, a person's characterized by what his or her delights and pleasures are. If one analyzes people by the expressions of their will, you can be fooled. But you can never be fooled if you look at what someone's desire is. And someone, what someone's time is, what someone delights. Who is a person is, who a person is, is a constant. Contemporary thinkers maybe say that it's impossible to know what someone's thinking or who someone is without engaging in denial or a purposeful disregard of the truth. But the Rebbe Marash used to say, a fool only fools himself. He's not fooling God. He's not fooling others. He only fools himself. But technically, we're supposed to have all the same will. Like, technically, we're all no. supposed to do the same mitzvahs. We're all supposed to do, like, the same mitzvahs. On a superficial will, level, on a superficial level. But in essence, you have a unique purpose. Yeah, but that's... A, that, if you're unique and you have a unique purpose, see, that's where, yeah, why we... Yeah, but isn't that We have to celebrate your uniqueness. But yes. isn't that the... the, the yes, so, absolutely. Like, so, so everyone has the same will. So you remember what we said? You, remember we said that, how do you know what your purpose is? You have to see what's hardest for you. Right. Now I'm gonna add another layer to that. You wanna know what your purpose is? See what's hard for you and also see what you truly enjoy. If you understand what's difficult for you to do, you're gonna understand what, what is difficult for you to do. But if you see what do I truly pleasure? Why do I pleasure? I, I happen to not like chocolate. There's a lot of people in the world who like chocolate. I'm, I don't like chocolate. Chocolate you know, I, I, I buy uh, the one, the chocolate, I buy like the 99% cacao. Okay, yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. And I happen to enjoy it because of the medicinal yeah. elements of it. Yeah. But I don't really, I don't really appreciate laughs. Like, what are you, this is not chocolate. This is like yeah. uh, hard cocoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I, I, I appreciate it for its medicinal balance. I don't like chocolate. Yeah, it's super Now, cool. can you explain why I don't like chocolate and she does? No, you can't explain that. But you can truly understand, start understanding a person 
I'm talking about superficial yeah, desires. Yeah, right. I'm talking about super, superficial tainuk. But, you, but then you start understanding, who am I? Don't fool yourself. I like this, why do I like this? What is, what is in my soul that, that, that gives me? You know, even on a, on, a, on a superficial way, like they say people who, who, who chew on ice, they have an iron deficiency. Really? Yeah. I think I need to become a chef because <laughs> my problem with food is that I, you know, people say, oh yeah, I prefer salty. You know, I like salty. I like the salt. My wife's like, no, I don't like ice cream. I like croissants. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but my, I like everything. That's my problem. I literally, and you know, we had this conversation about yeah. like the food problem. I had a big food problem and I had to become like plant-based like recent last yeah. year. And it's been the best, it's been the best thing that ever happened to me is applying discipline to that thing that I'm the weakest and that I love right. the most. It's been the most beneficial thing. And it's kind of like what you were saying, like the Tanu thing. It's that nothing could teach me discipline like doing this. Nothing. Because it's my area of my biggest weakness. It's my area where I love the most, which is the food. And if I can be disciplined there, then there's no, no limit to how disciplined I can be in anything. My wife, my wife always says that it, she, she thinks that it's all my years of studying Kabbalah that I have no pleasure from food. She thinks that it, it wasn't natural for me, but over the years of just studying all this stuff, you just... You just <laughs> Just the whole world. You just stop caring. You stop, yeah, it's, it's I, I eat it. I eat to survive. Me, it's it's one less problem. It's it's <laughs> one it's, less it's, desire. To have yeah, it, it's nice to not have that problem. <laughs> I mean, I can I can go a whole day without. I mean, I only eat to survive. That's it. Yeah, I can't stand eating. I can't stand eating. <laughs> I can't stand sleeping. It's like you're averse to the experience of eating, having food in your mouth and chewing on food and so on. I'd rather, I'd rather not eat. You'd rather just take a pill and you're, or yeah. whatever, just yeah. not eat, yeah. not eat and survive. Yeah. People do that. Not eat, not go to the bathroom. No, in the morning, in the morning, my, my, my breakfast usually, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a nutritionist that set up like a whole system for me of how many nutrients, what, what my nutrients are. And you've got to force yourself to take the right Yeah. Nutrients. So I just take a smoothie and, and, and my vitamin supplements and I'm fine till five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, uh. You know the Zen meditation, the who meditation? So whatever you're doing, you say who's doing this. So right. like, you're learning Kabbalah, you say who's learning Kabbalah. You're exactly. Coffee. Who's making coffee? You know, you open the door. Who's opening the door? You keep on doing it. You keep on doing it. Until you discover well, that. That's not Fred. The whole time. <laughs> okay. So Fred, is, Fred is just how you relate to Who others. is answering Fred? Is it though? <laughs> right? Though, what's interesting. What's what? Who is answering Fred? Bob <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter is that we believe, we believe that your Jewish name is connected to your essence. Oh, that's, that's, that's very true. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's narcissism, but like Joseph for me, like the, the whole Joseph character. You're Joseph? Oh, yeah. Nice. It really that, look, for me. for me, Israel is like also that struggle, oh, when, that when struggle of prevailing. That, 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 that fight with the angel. Israel means means that means right, that so wrestling I, with God. I, I wrestled with God, and I and I, I love that. Also, I love the story. Of the, the struggle, it's <laughs> the struggle. That's my life. The struggle, absolutely. But it, it's it's the pasuk is is Israel because he struggled with God and prevailed, right? Or, That's right. Struggle with God and prevailed. Struggle with God and prevailed. And That's the struggle with God and. Yeah, That's right. That's right. The pasuk is with he wrestled with God and man and man and prevailed and prevailed. Wow. That's one of the most amazing pasuks. It is. Mm-hmm. My Can I remind you, yeah, what's it's a beautiful. 
It's like, a beautiful. And beautiful whenever I ask for advice from from rabbis, they always go back to that bar mitzvah part. It's a beautiful, beautiful. One pasuk. When you think about it, like forget that you're Jewish. Forget anything. Just look at it What's from an question? epic poetry point of view. Yeah. Me too. Oh yeah, it's true. Sorry. Just yeah. look at that. Just look at that <laughs> sentence. It's massive. massive. It's, like, it's like the Lech Lecha passage for me. It's also like just, just huge. Yeah, Lech Lecha. So huge. Yosef, am I, am I instead of God? There's a couple amazing this, passages. You know what the producer says about that pasuk? It says like, Kisarita Imanahim means you're able to serve God in the Bakhim Midrash and synagogue and all these holy places. But Imanahim is that even when you go outside mm. to the marketplace, you're able, you're able to serve God. Right. Even your regular conversations with people, you're able to serve God. Right? You're always connecting it back. People don't know that, huh? that, that is, it, that's what Israel means. Yeah. Like it's, it's, not, it's not like a one-sided, it's, it's not just a, like we are godly, whatever. No, 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 no. It's much more like the Moses story. On the, it's, the, it's, the true, it's, the it's the true essence of the soul. Yeah. Our job here, to struggle, mm-hmm. to struggle with God and to prevail. Mm-hmm. Funny thought, when you're talking about uh, the story when you went to visit your, it's your aunt, yeah. and you, he gave you a funny face and you made him a funny face, so almost was like when Moshe Rabbeinu was on Shemar and he saw Hashem face to face. Like yeah. Hashem made a funny face and Moshe made a funny face and then he understood the entire Torah. <laughs> or maybe that... Yeah, but it's crazy this Italian Gentile had like the nuances of... And Hashem took off his costume and Hashem's, Moshe wow. saw himself and Moshe took that's, off that's his crazy. costume and saw Hashem himself. Yeah. Because that guy, that guy was studying the external manifestations of what it means to be a chassid. He had to fit in. Do you in. think like inside you felt like a chassid sometimes? He must have. Yeah. You For think sure. like I want that? And my mom's like, wait. Actors probably have Actors, that. Actors, yeah, that's right. That. Like John Malkovich like acts like the low Abraham Lincoln for like six months, you know, for him to play the actor. Like you end up fusing with the subject a bit. But yeah, he, feel, he could feel it. He could feel that way. But still not be. That's a good actor. They can cry. Right. <laughs> then you can get lost in the role. Yeah. You get lost in the role. By the way, that you are. By, by the way, that's exactly the difference between Ratzel and Tanuk. Mm. It's mm. exactly it's realizing the difference. Between Ratzel. It's realizing you're just playing a role. That's exactly the 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 the, the, the is playing the role, but Tanuk is it. Mm. You can't fake Tanuk. Mm. The Ratzel you can fake, or you can act, or you can just convince yourself you're playing a role. And there's a there's a value in that sometimes. Fake it till you make it. Kabbalah is interested in the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Could I? Uh, it's not into the fake it till you make it. No, it is. It is. It is. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it could be. It could, it, it could be. That's the way you have to do it. Even if you don't believe it today, you just do it until, until it becomes part of you. But there's nothing that stands in the way of the time. It's, so is it possible to move from Ratzon to Tagum by decreasing the amount of desires I have? More and more desires I get rid of, the closer you, I can get Tagum. That would be Kabbalah's job like Kabbalah would want you to do that you would want to no, increase in spiritual desires and decrease in physical desires but then even the spiritual desires I want to decrease at some point or altruistic desires so I, I think there's a I have a confusion because Tanuk is, is okay it's that which is undeniable undeniably me that sounds a lot like ego to me it sounds mm-hmm. a lot like a no. fixed because again again thing. you are you are you talking about Tanuk without Kabbalah at all Ah, okay. okay. If you have Tanug that's based on Kabbalah Tol, okay. If you start off, remember everything ah. begins with with with, with Kabbalah Tol. If you're accepting the yoke, can be the seat of the nifesh ba'amit. Everything flash. it's gonna everything is zelu Everything has a positive side and a negative side. Everything. That's very important. Kabbalah says that there's a sor- You have to know what the source is. Everything, what the, what the result is not as important as the process, because the source is what we're most interested in. 
Because there are things that look like they're good, but they're really bad. And there are things that look like they're bad, they're really good. But you have to know what their source is. But so when, you, when we do a mitzvah, like even if, let's say... That's when evil comes in. We're going to get to that. Let, let's say like we light, we light Shabbos candles. Like we're doing it out of like, out of will. Like we're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do it and we'll, and we'll hear. So you do a mitzvah, but you don't necessarily have time to begin it. At this point, but maybe but you're the in, goal is to... Maybe you're fake it till you make it right now. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like the, that, that yeah, it could be that you don't. But if you have Kabbalah at all, then you could possibly have time at, at some point. The make it is so, it's such an interesting term. Like, it's almost like you're always there. Like, you can never not be there. That's right. Right? That's not right. Dual. That's right. And the goal is to make it's it. It's not positive right? or negative at one point. At, at all. Absolutely. So then you can just grasp that as yourself, saying, like, oh, I am that. I if, am that if, which is beyond positive and negative. But, but that's me. Again, that's me understanding the limitations of the fact that I am connected to time and space, right? We have to always know that we are connected to time and space. We have to always know that the desire is to be, to have Kabbalah all. The desire is to have our tainug, the space and Kabbalah all. So if you, if you always know what you're supposed to be doing, even if you're not there, you know where you're, where you're heading. I'm thinking of uh, like the Vedanta thing, Satchit and Hanna. Yeah. Like Ananda, right? Talmud. That's interesting. Right. Interesting. To think about that. Right. The non-dual awareness. Right. Satchit and the truth, consciousness and uh, pleasure, right? right? Bliss. But then, but then again, you know, what, what ends up happening with that kind of consciousness or that kind of what you're going to call bliss, what ends up happening is, is we ego. could become egotistical very easily right. or become selfish or subjective. We're not looking for subjective bliss. The fact We're that looking our, for our, objective bliss. Well, the, the fact that our, 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 our official ideal as a society is happiness. Right. It's kind of, I mean, it's, I find that very interesting right there. Right. Happiness. Like, is there, there, are you happy? Are you happy? Like, who, who is even asking that more question? More oriented to the selfish <laughs> desire of the person than happiness. What do you mean? Go to but therapy minute, if you're not happy. happy. I have to be happy every single moment of every day, which means that any demand that you're going to make of me that I should respect you, it interferes with my happiness. Just imagine how, how that ideal dissolves relationships in a, in a, in a society. Completely dissolves them to, to nothingness. I need to be happy every moment. Who are you to ask me that I should respect you? That's right. You're not respecting my happiness? That's right. What's wrong with you? I'm thinking about... um... And now you know the problem with our relationships in our society. What's that? Now you know the problem with relationships in our society. You're here to make me happy and I'm here to make you happy. Right? You're here to make me happy. And I'll just do whatever Exactly what it's untenable. We're both here to make ourselves happy, but we're going to try to... introduce you to my happiness. But I'm only willing to serve your as happiness insofar as it doesn't right. interfere with my happiness. But if you act the same, then our relationship is officially bankrupt. It's got more liabilities than assets. I'm thinking about the same right? here of how you can turn nega through tariff osios into inos, right? That's right. Like nega to anik. So I'm thinking about the, the Buddhist idea of like three marks of existence, right? Do you, are you familiar yeah. with them, right? Uh, dukkha, anatta, and... Anisha, right? So dukkha is like the nega that you can find in every experience. Like every experience is in some way dissatisfying, right? But you're t- turning that dissatisfaction to realizing the bliss, right? The inog in all those experiences. But the only way you can do that is if you know where you're going, if you know what the source is, which means it's so it's easy. Back to the it's so easy to get lost 
in the product and not realize that the process is to, is to find the end result, which is what you had to begin with. Going in the circle. source. It's, it's a, everything's a circle. Going from... No, but we don't go in a circle. We don't, we, we don't go in a circle. Our, sure. lives, our lives are like this. They're like spiraling. We're going in a circle, but we're spiraling. Yeah, well, so are you spiraling up or are you spiraling down? You yeah, could, that's right. You could, for, but for, movement is, yeah, it's, it's more of a spiral than, than, than a line or a circle. Absolutely. If you're not going up, you're going down. Yeah. Well, it's like... If you're, if you're not actively going up, you're passively going down. Yeah, that's right. You're always moving. Right. You're always moving by definition. There's no such thing as a straight line. There's no that's such right. thing as, as, as lack of movement. We're in a world of movement. We're, we're, we're the walkers. We are the walkers. Yeah. The rugby. Yeah. We are, we are the, we are the they walkers. They are the umbeam. We yes. are the walkers. That's right. We, uh, movement defines us because Every, we're in time and space. That's and right. it's only in that context that I, talk, I, I said the, 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 the Holocaust thing. And I, I'm going to discard that thought because it's not fully mature yet. But there's something there that in the time-space continuum. No, okay. but people say that. By the way, it's, it's a very common it's answer common that people give to the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And it bothers me tremendously. Uh, it bothers me too. First of all, not only does it bother me. But that whole logic, there's a way to present it that is positively evil to me, okay? It's like, oh, you know, like, it's as if we understand the causes and effects of these things. It's like, yeah. shut up. You don't, you know? But, but people, I think it's more as a response to the people who, who use the Holocaust as a proof to deny the existence of God, right? And they're looking for purpose behind terror or purpose behind evil. It's that behind anything that's evil... There could be a, a hidden purpose and a dynamic that is part of a greater good. That's right. I think that's, that's sort of like the genesis of that thought. And so maybe <laughs> that had something to do with it, you know, in the time-space continuum. Not in the absolute. In the absolute, nothing could justify. Nothing could ever justify the death of, of, of a single child, right? Now... The, 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 the industrial scale horror of the Holocaust. I mean, there's nothing in the absolute that could ever justify that, right? We all agree. In a sense, every moment of the Holocaust was just revealing the presence of God. Like at the end of the day. At the end of it. From a longer historical lens. No, no, but in that moment, it's complete in itself. That's the craziness about it, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Late Atar Panormine. The whole thing is just a crazy, That's it's a crazy, crazy thing. We, like I was talking to my friend about it. We totally like, don't understand it because it's impossible a, for us to fathom it. It's impossible. It's impossible it's to, for us to fathom it. Like a person going through Auschwitz could have felt like every moment in complete bliss, like realizing, like... People were people were going to the gas. They were going to the gas chambers, singing animamin or singing Shema or singing like uh, with joy. It there was to be an animamin. There were nagunim. They would sing nagunim going to the gas chambers. It was like in that moment, this is it. Like it's not an animamin. Like oh, one day, I'm, okay, I'm gonna yeah, die today, think, and I'll come back later. But, yeah, like, but even I, in this moment, this is. But, 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 but I don't. I, I don't. I don't account. think. I don't think you can take that and ascribe that that type of experience. I mean, some people had that experience, but you can't. You can't say. That experience was the overall experience. No, definitely right? it's not the overall experience. That's, that's right. So yes, I mean, I, some exa- so I would answer. Yeah, probably, some exceptional human beings. The rarest experience that yeah, happened right. in the Holocaust. So, some exceptional human beings can can reach those levels in those. I moments. had a, I had a I had a realization this year about the Holocaust, and I spoke about it on Shabbos, my sermon that the week of Yom Hashoah a few weeks ago, and I said that the the Holocaust has become so enormous to the point where this generation can't even fathom it. Like, we don't even know what six million looks like. Mm. And so I think that we have to stop talking about six million and start talking about one. Mm. 
And we have to start, you know, when it comes to remembering the Holocaust, remember one person and one story and yeah, it's one more experience than and remember. Yeah. Much more it's horrific. It's interesting that like the most famous book that came out of the Holocaust is Man's Search for Meaning. And we just deconstructed meaning, right? We said that even meaning, right, is still like an ego attainment. It's still something about a meaning. It's right. like the last ditch effort for a person to ascribe the re- like to find a reason to still be here, right? right. One of the, oh, why don't I just run into the One of the great examples that Frankl says is that even in, you know, people would give away their last piece of bread just to have, you know, the idea of giving and have purpose and have dignity. Mm. But like, even that is not even like the highest level. Right? No, it's not. But it's man's search for meaning. Man's search for meaning becomes that much more poignant and necessary. Oh, when, it's the only thing that when, keep them when, alive. when 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 meaning disappears, right? well, when pleasure disappears, and, and but for a lot of people, the idea of a good god was shattered by the Holocaust. And, and I don't think it's just the Jews, by the way. I think the horrors of World War II, in general, sent a shockwave. Because you look at like like existential different like versions of existentialism or versions of scientific materialism, they emerged after World War II. Okay, they existed before. But they were very, very minority. But strengths. also, the scientific revolution emerged after World War II. Yeah, that's right. After, si- well, if you look at science well, and well, technology, the revolution existed before. I mean, yeah, but science and technology but was, has totally but, changed since then. I mean, yeah, but but yeah, yeah. But yeah, at so the time, even, even in the nineteenth century, okay, when you, you had versions of atheism and you had versions of scientific materialism and you had versions of the scientific mindset, but they were they were interpreted to be compatible with a religious mindset. They were interpreted to be compatible on the whole. There were exceptions to that, but on the whole, they were interpreted to be compatible with the existence of meaning in the universe, right? After World War II, you start to have the emergence of these much more aggressive strands of atheism, of existentialism, of, right, in the French tradition, in the 50s, 60s, it all comes after World War II. What happened in World War II sent shock, it completely obliterated, I think, a naive understanding of God. So therefore, an anthropomorphism. Therefore, an idol. Cook, this guy. What's that? He's for a cook. No, therefore, an, an an idol that needed to be shattered. Good that it got shattered. Good. It 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 was good for a primitive understanding that we had at the time, but it needed to be destroyed for something greater to eventually emerge. But I think that in the meantime, there's been like right between like the world we're in today, there's been a long period where we really explored our atheism and our materialism to every single degree, to the point that today it's revealing its ex- excessive aspects and it's revealing its dark side. And the dark side now is, it, but I, I still think that human beings are fundamentally um, uh, stubborn and that we haven't suffered enough from the dark side in order to really open up well, the, the light. Dark side come. But it's, oh, it's already there. I mean, some people would say like, what do you mean it's gonna come? Like everything that's happened, like in the last 20 years, like you don't see it. It's like, no, some people don't see it enough. It's like everything that happened, like, you know, when you look at, at the, 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 you know, for, for instance, like the financial crisis 2008, right? That whole, how the entire system kind of conspired in that sort of like completely uh, corrupt. corrupt manner. The, the, the coordination of the corruption. It's like, you still don't get it. That that's kind of like how your system works. Yeah, okay. Like, okay, no problem. Uh, let's do a bigger and a bigger corruption becomes possible now, right? Oh, that's usually when happens, evil right? sees that its effects are not countered. Like, like, <laughs> so in order to create a better vessel, you break your vessel and then you can build a bigger one. When their vessel breaks on the evil side, they just have to build a bigger that's one. That's right. Right? That's right. And just a matter that's of time, right. like, you never know what the, there's a problem until... The problem is big enough that you right. can't deny it. It's coming. Then, it's coming. 
But you have, to, you have to take a lesson from Israel. What does Israel do? They wait until they build the tunnels. They don't destroy the tunnels right away. They wait until they build the tunnels right before they're about to come into Israel. Then they bank. Yeah. You see the problems. You have to around. allow. You have to allow it to exist, and yeah. then you you have to allow it to exist. Yeah. It's, they say that the big problem that's going to be coming is uh, artificial ge- general intelligence. That's going to be the big problem, right? So, like, artificial no, no, artificial general intelligence. So it's essentially an, an AI that has the intelligence of a human being, but it's able to. It's recursive, so it's able to teach itself. So then, just exponentially becomes smarter and smarter. Yeah, that's what machine learning is. Is that right? It's machine learning. learning. Yeah. So it's recursive. So yeah. then we it could have an IQ. But it's happening already. It's happening. Not but, artificial general intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Yeah, but but is machine learning is happening. But it's not. They've got they've, they've, they've got they've got software systems that can educate themselves in, in ways that resemble. This is what even the machine learning experts say. They take human learning as the model, okay, and then they try to replicate that through machines. They try to create machines that can teach themselves the way that human beings teach themselves. But these people will be the first ones to tell you that human learning is so powerful and so all-encompassing, and it encompasses. They, they're only able to isolate certain areas of human learning and replicate them in part. And so, well, predictable. Yeah, and so the machine, the, machine can become, the machine can maybe teach itself faster than human beings can in that narrow way. But I mean, human when beings are expand. not so different from that. Like the best... Like if you think about specialization, like I think that's the, the, I think the, human the greatest beings. series... Specialization is a specific the, task the, the and they don't the, have a... The problem with specialization is that we are reducing human beings to an analogy of a machine. You're a cog in a machine. Right, that's exactly what right? That's how the system I know, functions. But that's not the true potential of human beings. No, obviously if not. human beings became super learners... So there's a, field, mean, there's a field of artificial intelligence, which is let's teach machines to think better than human beings. And then there's a field of human intelligence, human enhancement, which is it's another field that focuses on understanding human intelligence, the ways in which it can expand, and trying to enhance that as much as possible. And I think that if we focus on human intelligence, right, I don't think a machine will ever catch up. How's that? Ever. Why? Because a machine is a creation of man. At the end of the day, it's always going to be more limited than man. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. 